you and those of you online. We're so glad that you're joining with us, that you're here today for our first service, which is our weekly Bible prophecy update. Uh, for those of you that like to stick around, you're welcome to do that for our second service, which is actually the sermon. Uh, it's a verse by verse study through the Word. And we're currently in the book of James. Today we're going to commence with chapter 2. Our text will be verses 1 through 9. And we're going to look at why it is that we're so quick to discriminate against people. I know you don't do that. So this is just a theoretical, hypothetical study. But uh, why we're so quick to show favoritism and discriminate and more importantly, what it is that we can do about it as doers of God's Word. And so that'll be at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time for those of you that would like to join with us. Also, for those that are watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we would encourage you to go directly to jdfrog.org for the uncensored, uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And with that, let's get right to it. Today I want to answer this question, the question of why it is that knowing about all that's happening in the world prophetically is actually a help to me. Doubtless you've heard or even said something along the lines of, well, what's the point of all this when I really can't do anything about this? So why do I need to know this? So it's my hope with the help of the Holy Spirit <laughs> that we can all have a better understanding concerning the importance of knowing Bible prophecy. It's a very simple update today and answers the question of what's the point of this? Why do I need to know this? Let's start with Romans 13, beginning in verse 11. And do this, <laughs> understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. And here's why. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night, verse 12, is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in, this is interesting, dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, when you know how late the hour is, that the day is almost here as our salvation draws near, nearer now than it ever has been. Knowing this, this is what you need to do about this. First Chronicles chapter 12, the first part of verse 32, tells us that because the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times, they knew what Israel ought to do. Okay. This is just one of many reasons that knowing and understanding that we're living in the last hour of human history as we know it, is of paramount importance. Can I say it this way? You see it there on the screen. 
It's this urgency of getting our spiritual affairs in order. That's why we need to know this. Well, what do you mean by getting our spiritual affairs in order? Well, it depends. For those of us that are born again, believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, getting your spiritual affairs in order is putting off the deeds of darkness. There's no time for that. Putting on the armor of light, getting serious about the things of God. Because the night is almost over, the day is almost here, and our salvation draws near. Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption draws nigh. That's why you need to know this and do something about this. Notice the first three words as we just read in Romans, and do this. This is what you need to do about what you need to know. <laughs> I need to know this because I need to do something about this. And for the Christian, there's no more time to play around. This is not a playground. We're in a battleground and we're in the fight of our lives. And it's not just a matter of life and death. It's a matter of heaven and hell. That's for the believer. What about those who are not believers in or followers of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to get your spiritual affairs in order? Well, I'm going to say this as lovingly and graciously as I possibly can. You need to get right with the Lord. And in getting right with the Lord, you need to also get ready for the return of the Lord. There's no more time. There's no more time. The writer of Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 23, writes, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. In other words, more so now than ever, you need to be assembling yourself together with the body of Christ. And that's a very important word to understand, assemble. Bear with me. I, it's my favorite illustration, and I hope you don't tire of it, because it's the only one I got. <laughs> um, I have a, a Timex. This is actually a Timex, $39.95. Um, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Oh good, you young people have no clue, that's okay. Alright, so what's my point? Maybe you're asking, do I have a point? Yes I do, just bear with me. So I have this watch up here, right? So let's just say for purpose of illustration that I have all of the parts gathered together for this watch. The springs, the intricate instrumentation, the the glass, the band even. I have all of the parts and they're all gathered together up here. It's no good. It's of no use. All the parts are just gathered together. They need to be assembled. So now I have them all assembled together and now it's functioning and operative and of use, and of benefit, and of help. Reminds me of that humorous story about a dad and his son. They're in church, and 
the pastor takes his watch off of his wrist, puts it on the pulpit, and the son asks his dad, Dad, what does that mean? And the father replies, absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay, you're supposed, yeah. In other words, he doesn't look at it, and that's why he keeps going on and on. So I'll just leave that one there. So what the writer of Hebrews is exhorting us to do here is, as we see the day fast approaching, we need to be assembling ourselves together so that we can stir one another up. We can stir up love and good works, because when we're all different parts of the same body assembled, we function different parts. We need each other. But when we're assembled together, we function as a body of believers. And this is the worst time to even consider this notion of forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Listen to what the Apostle John said in his first epistle, chapter 3, beginning in verse 2. He says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And then he says this, verse 3, all who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Did you catch that? In other words, when you live your life with this expectancy of the soon return of Jesus Christ, it has this effect on you of getting your affairs in order spiritually, purifying yourself. Now please, this is not in any way indicating or implying that this is what we do. No, the Holy Spirit in us does this. How do you purify yourself? Well, 1 John 1, 9, often affectionately referred to as the Christian bar of soap. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. It's done from the inside out vis-a-vis -vis the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, holy life, pure and holy. And it's those who know that when Christ appears, we're going to be like Him. It has this effect of really spurring us on, getting ourselves right, clean, pure before Him, as we ready and steady ourselves for Him. Now, I'm keenly aware that up to this point, all of this seems somewhat generic, but I would at this time like to get more specific. And in order to do that, we're going to go ahead at this time and end the live stream and redirect you to the website. For the remainder of our time together today, I need to talk with you about what I see as the same three strings <laughs> on the guitar of Bible prophecy, as it were. I feel like I have only three strings on my guitar. I know Capono has more. But uh, it's the same three strings that I seem to play in different ways and different chords week in and week out. And that's what I want to talk about, however. Before we jump into this, I do want to thank those of you who brought to my attention the New Age connection to last week's update. Please know that I have been and even now am doing more research on all of this, especially 
related to what's known as both the Great Awakening and the Great Reset. And I would certainly covet your prayers in this regard. I have talked about the Great Awakening, the deception of QAnon. I've talked at great length in prior updates about the Great Reset. And I'm still kind of working through, praying through, trying to understand the relationship between the two. Because on one side you seemingly have this utopia, and on the other side you have what seems to be this dystopia. So what's really going on here? So again, I would really covet your prayers in this regard. And before we get to the matter at hand, I want to mention a very interesting and eye-opening Hugo Talks video that a number of people had sent to me this last week. And we do have a link to it. I would really, really encourage you to watch this video. I have to confess that while I was a little taken back by it, it did in some way answer some unanswered questions as it relates to the plethora of doctors and experts, some of whom I've quoted, all of whom seem to be of the same reawaken America ilk. Why is that important? Because it's synonymous with the Save America, Save a Generation, and the current freedom movement. Okay, well, what's your problem? <laughs> okay. Well, my problem is, is that this all is part of said Great Awakening, QAnon, the New Age, and perhaps in some ways, more importantly, Gnosticism. Now when I say Gnosticism, that's usually met with a great deal of misunderstanding. I would say on average, and I don't mean to say this in any kind of a derogatory way, but I'll even confess for myself, it wasn't until more recently that I really got a grasp of how pronounced and prevalent this Gnosticism is. Let me just give you a quick example, because we have talked about it in prior updates. And again, I'm still working on this and praying about this. And I do plan, as the Lord leads, to talk about this in a future update, Lord willing. But I just want to draw your attention specifically to Gnosticism. It is so subtle. I'm going to mention the name of a movie. You're all going to know this movie, The Matrix. Um, do you realize that that movie is all about Gnosticism and is as anti-Christ as it could possibly be? Here's how I get there. The Matrix is enslaving people, sheeple. I have a problem with that word, by the way. I mentioned it in the QAnon update that I did, and how deceptive and satanic this is. It's like, wait, being a sheep is bad? Well, that's not what my Bible says. I, I want to be a sheep, because Jesus is my good shepherd. So in Gnosticism, you're enslaved to the matrix. So you've got to be freed from the matrix. And you have to have this awakening and be your own savior. I think the actor is uh, Keanu Reeves. Thank you very much. Well, you guys know this too well. <laughs> I hadn't intended to go this far into it, but maybe this is the Holy Spirit and I need to. I'll try to be as brief as I can. So 
in Gnosticism, Jehovah is bad and Lucifer is good. Because see, Lucifer is the light bearer. And Lucifer tried to free Adam and Eve out of the enslavement of the matrix of the garden. Because Jehovah created this matrix and didn't want them to be awakened and their eyes opened. So he kept them from, I mean this whole red pill, blue pill is it thing? It's Gnosticism. It's Satanism. I mean, <laughs> so if you will but eat or take this, your eyes will be opened. You'll be awakened, illuminated, enlightened, ascended, and freed from the slavery of this matrix. Just another movie I, I was saying. We did an update on this. I, I think I included this. There's so many. In fact, I would venture to say that the majority of movies that you and I know very well and have viewed are all predictive programming and demonic in their message. And by the way, that's why they call it programs channels. The Truman Show. What was that actor's name? I, I can't think of it. Jim Carrey? Oh, yeah. Enough said. So he's trapped in this matrix enslaved in this world. He has to break free and become enlightened. See, Lucifer was actually the light bearer to free man from the cruelty and enslavement of Jehovah. And apparently uh, someone by the name of Sophia, you'll see that throughout, riddle throughout replete throughout a lot of the movies. Sophia was the one who in Gnosticism created Jehovah, and Jehovah created this world. But apparently he got out of control and wanted to enslave his creation. And Lucifer was sent into the garden to free man from this enslavement. That's Gnosticism. I mean, that was kind of a brief off-the-cuff explanation of it. It's really quite deeper than that. But see, this is what these people are all about. It's enlightenment. It's the event. They call it the event. You know what the event is? <laughs> this is just So there's going to be this coming together and all of the energy and the crystals and the <laughs> sorry, emphasis added. And we're going to create this energy and people are, that don't have that energy are going to be taken out of the way and disappear. And then we're going to begin our new age of Aquarius, age of a, are you having a flashback right now? <laughs> Is this too much? Here's a photo, which is, <laughs> look at this roster of doctors and experts associated with what they call the Academy of Divine Knowledge. What does that sound like? In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to go back and check, but they may have changed that name to protect the guilty, because that's, I mean, you don't have to be a mature, discerning Christian to realize divine knowledge. 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is new age. And I, again, I tell you, I was just stunned. I'm looking at these guys, and here you've got this one doctor that's on the same stage as this doctor artist who writes a scathing rebuttal, refuting his theory. And I'm like, I have that image in my mind. I, I keep thinking to myself, and I mentioned this, I think a couple of weeks ago, I, I have this picture in my mind of all of these people backstage toasting a glass of champagne. And they're all in on it. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like I shared last week, you know, with this Stu Peters and Mike Adams interview with Dr. Artis, do your own research. And please pray for discernment in this regard. You know, Satan, again emphasis added, is so insidious and subtle. And he wraps just enough truth around a lie, so it's believable. And it's textbook. So be discerning. And ask God for discernment. Well, let me, I want to try to get through this. I appreciate your patience with me on this, but I'm sure as many of you already know, there has been no shortage of articles and videos refuting the claims made by Dr. Artis. Uh, some of which I really have some serious questions about the credibility of. But here's what is really concerning to me, is that sadly this has created yet another firestorm of controversy, confusion, and division. And we know who the author of confusion is, right? It's my hope and my prayer that we as Christians will not play into this demonic dividing of the body of Christ, but rather that we would search the Scriptures and do the work, and it is work, of rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't divide the body, divide rightly the word, so as not to be numbered amongst those who are found to be shameful. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. One more verse that the Lord just brought to my remembrance is in John's Gospel, the 16th chapter, beginning in verse 12. This is Jesus speaking now. And He's about to go to the cross, be crucified, buried, resurrected. And he's trying to encourage his disciples. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. He has to go, but he's going to send the Holy Spirit. So heretofore they've had God with them. And after the resurrection, they're going to have God in them, the Holy Spirit. So th listen to what he says to them. He says, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Okay. In other words, the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Word, is going to speak truth to holy people. That's how it works. The Holy Spirit will be your teacher and your guide, and will guide you into all truth. And don't you find it 
interesting that he would say, man, there are so many things you need to know about what's coming. But you couldn't bear it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and He will guide you into all truth. And He will be the one to tell you about these things that are going to come. One more thing real quick. And again, this is, I, I believe the Holy Spirit, it is uh, not in my notes, but I, I've, I'm prompted, I think, to just kind of share this truth concerning the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. Satan is the master counterfeiter, right? Okay. Um, the counterfeit authenticates and validates the genuine. Stay with me. This is why you'll never see a counterfeit $70 bill. Why? Because there's no such thing as the genuine $70 bill. I'm going somewhere with this. The counterfeit is going to be of the $100 bill. Why? Because there's the genuine $100 bill. Have you ever wondered to yourself why it is that there's no anti-Buddhas or false Mohammeds? Okay, just can you just indulge me and, and help me out here? <laughs> help me help you <laughs> on this one. Right? Why? Why are there no counterfeit Buddhas or counterfeit Mohammeds, only counterfeit and false Christ? Because that's the genuine. One more on this one. Oh, you'll know why I'm gritting my teeth when I share it. If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, when somebody takes the name of my Jesus and speaks the name, the only name given among men whereby we must be saved, and they use it in a cursing way, that's why I'm gritting my teeth. Doesn't that get you? You know, when I was younger <laughs> and had more energy, I was a little bit more militant about it. But I've gotten a little bit more gracious, keyword little, over the years. <laughs> I'd like to think it's spiritual maturity. It's just actually age. I don't have the energy anymore. But I like to ask someone like that. And I have. And it's very interesting, the response you get, because it makes them think. I always ask them, I say, you know, I, I'm just really curious why it is that you're not an equal opportunity blasphemer? Why, why Jesus? Why don't you take the name of Muhammad in vain? Well, when was the last time you ever heard somebody say, Oh, Muhammad! <laughs> you get the point. Why? Because Jesus is God, Muhammad is not. He's a false prophet. And Allah is a false God. Yeah, praise the Lord, right? Okay, I'm trying to... He's the master counterfeiter. And Gnosticism is a counterfeit of the genuine. This is why you have false Christs, false teachers, false prophets. The counterfeit authenticates the genuine. All right, let's get to the update. That was, that's not even, this wasn't the update. I want to get to what I want to talk with you about. The three aforementioned strings on the guitar of Bible prophecy which are the strings governmentally, economically, and religiously. Now, why these three? They're, they're the big three. And the reason is, is that prophecy in the Bible 
describes a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion. And I know this might seem like an oversimplification, but all three are in play today. And the common denominator is what we call COVID-19. COVID-19 is driving them. COVID-19 is the common denominator in all of them. COVID-19 will be the trigger, the pin that pops everything. Because in order to have a one world government and a one world economy and a one world religion, wouldn't it stand to reason that you would have to do away with the current government structure, the current economy, and the current religious structure. When I say religion, please, that, I'm not referring to Christianity. <laughs> I'm talking about what many refer to as organized religion. I love it when somebody says, well, I, I don't really believe in organized religion. I love that. Cool, neither do I. <laughs> I believe in Jesus. We talked about that in James actually a couple weeks ago. Okay, so what are you saying? Well, what I'm saying is that all three of these are now at the point, the breaking point, the tipping point, if you prefer, and it's just a matter of time before they're all implemented. And COVID-19 will be the way it happens and is brought about. COVID-19 is a created crisis. It's a created crisis. And it's a created crisis with an ensuing controlled reaction in order to usher in the satanic final solution. By created crisis and controlled reaction, I mean, this is a created crisis and created chaos in governments and religions and a controlled demolition of the global economy. It's the phoenix rising out of the ashes of chaos, bringing about world order out of chaos vis-a-vis -vis the Antichrist, who is alive and well, at the ready, by the way. And he doesn't set anything up. He's just waiting, and all he does is just flick the switch. The wiring's there, everything's connected. When he comes on the scene after the church is removed, he cannot be revealed until the church is removed, Second Thessalonians. After the rapture, he's revealed. All he does is switch, 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 and it's game on. But in order for that to happen, there has to be this complete destruction and doing away with the old order. And that's the phoenix rising out of the ashes of chaos. Order out of chaos. World order out of created chaos. This is textbook Hegelian dialectic, as it's known. You create the crisis, you control the reaction, and then you provide the final solution. And if that sense chills up and down your spiritual spine, it well should. Because the final solution is the extermination, as it was with the Jews in the Holocaust. What was the final solution? The extermination of the Jewish people. It was a genocide. This is a global genocide. So in order to depopulate the earth, kill people, how you doing? <laughs> You okay? It gets worse. Just want to make sure. 
Jesus said it. Come on. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So this is a plan, satanic plan, to kill mankind, depopulate the earth by way of a genocide. It's the final solution to the problem we created. What, what's the problem? There's too many people using too much stuff. We want all the stuff. So let's get rid of them. And then it's, uh, uh, how, how did uh, one say it? I thought it was really well uh, put. It's um, um, elimination and uh, uh, anyway, it's basically to eliminate and then control. So you're in total, but wait a minute, I thought we're going to have this great awakening, utopia. Well, that's what I mean. It's, it's a deception. It is this great delusion and people are buying it. People are buying it. Because they've been so programmed. I did an update a while back about a fictitious scenario where a guy's in a coma for like 40 years and he comes out of his coma. And he missed all of everything that's happened over the last 40 years. And he's looking at everybody going, what are you doing? Because he's not been programmed. He's not been conditioned. He's been in a coma. So he comes out of this thing, and he's looking at everyone who has been conditioned and programmed. And he's going, what are you guys doing? I can't believe that you guys are doing this. Why are you? Why are you in lockstep? Why are you doing that? It makes no sense to me. Oh, I know why you're doing that, because you've been programmed. You know, uh, it's not just, th that was it. It's not just population control, it's controlling the population. So watch this. They can actually not just monitor your behavior, they can control your behavior. They're already doing it. So <laughs> my daughter and I went into the store before the indoor mandate was lifted. And we didn't, we didn't, in Jesus' name, we, we rebelled. We did not wear a mask. We actually forgot them. But we walked in. We're like, man, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? And Nobody even noticed. You know why? They're all looking in their phones. No, for real. Nobody's even looking at you. They're all mind control, totally controlled. It worked, but not for the guy that's been in a coma for 40 years, because he hasn't had his mind programmed. Think about Romans 12 where Paul says, don't be conformed, controlled by the world, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind by the Word of God. It, it's kind of like this. I know it's a play on words, but uh, not being brainwashed, but having your, washing your brain, cleansing your mind with the purifying water of God's Word, the renewing of the mind. Philippians 4.8, Paul says, by the Spirit, these are the things you're to think on, because like the proverb says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We are what we think, and the battle is in the mind. And Satan has access to the mind. He can't read our thoughts, but he can put thoughts in there. And there is a controlling. Well, this brings me full circle to the question of why does knowing all of this 
all of the prophetic specifics actually help me or is of benefit to me? Answer, knowing the specifics about the prophetic implication of where the injection is leading, knowing the specifics about the prophetic implication of the controlled demolition of the economy, knowing the specifics about the uniting of world religions and governments can save you from destruction. It's salvation. The fact of the matter is, in knowing about this, we can be saved and we can warn others about this while there's still time with the hope that they can be saved. That's pretty important, isn't it? This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. We refer to it often. The Apostle Peter writes, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, gentleness and respect. Do be respectful, but be at the ready to give to everyone interesting who asks you. Well, nobody's asking me. Well, maybe they don't ask you because they don't see any hope in you. But if they do see you're peculiar, and I don't mean peculiar, we're a peculiar people. Very strange. This guy has got joy. He's got hope. He's got peace. I want me some of that. What's your secret? Oh, so glad you asked. Jesus. Jesus. How, how can you, why are you not freaking out? Because Jesus is going to take me out. Why, why, why are you so full of joy? You, you make me sick. You're so full of joy. Because Jesus is coming and He's promised me that where He's going to prepare a place for me, that He will come again and take me to that place that He's prepared for me in His Father's house. That's why. I mean, That's my hope. Second Peter, chapter 3. I want to begin reading at verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace. And here it is again, spotless and blameless and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. He just got done telling them, <laughs> the Lord's not slow as some consider slow in keeping His promise. He is coming, despite all the mocking and ridiculing. Ah, oh, where's the promise? You, you guys have been saying the rapture is going to happen for, well, your pastor's been saying it for like 20 years. It hasn't happened. I always like to, again, I'm getting, I, I hope, more gracious. I just like to say, hey, wow, keep mocking, because you're actually fulfilling Bible prophecy, mocking me about my hope. Because that's a prophecy that in the last days it would be marked by mockers and scoffers that will scoff Christians like you and I. So, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which, listen carefully, the untaught and unstable distort 
as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. And then he says this, verse 17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, this is why you need to know this. This is why knowing this is going to be of help to you and benefit to you. Knowing this beforehand, you'll be on guard. Or some of your translations render it. You'll be watching on guard. Why am I on guard? So that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. In other words, knowing this, you're on guard, steadied and ready, so you don't fall for it. Because you're rooted, you're grounded. You know the Scriptures. You know what's going to happen before it happens, so that when it begins to happen, Jesus said, you'll believe. And you're rock solid on that. Getting back to this counterfeit, authenticating the genuine. Back in the day, I know this is an old illustration. If you've got a newer one, let me know. Happy to use it. But back in the day, the way they would train bank tellers to spot a counterfeit, they would have them handle the genuine, count it, feel it, smell it, touch it, get so familiar with it. I mean, blindfold them, have them get so familiar with the genuine, then slip in a counterfeit. Something doesn't smell right. I'm not falling for it. I'm on guard. And I know the genuine. So you come along now and you want to distort you want to confuse me? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm ready. Bring it. Bring it. I know the truth. I know the genuine. You can't, I won't fall for it. Because I know the truth about this and what's coming, because the Holy Spirit has guided me into all truth. And the Holy Spirit has ministered to me about what's coming. So I'm not caught off guard, I'm on my guard. So you come along and you introduce this to me. <laughs> nice try. Nice try. What, you think I'm stupid? Okay, I'm taking it too far, but you get the point, right? Maybe that's the takeaway for you today. If for no other reason, knowing this specifically about Bible prophecy is to keep you on guard so you don't fall for the lie. Maybe that's the only reason. I mean, there are numerous reasons. I, I sincerely have a very long list, by the way. Actually, I do a, a tally, T-A-L-L-Y. And it's an acronym that stands for, first, the T, truth. Is my teaching true, scripturally, biblically? Are the quotes and the references A, accurate? L, is it liberating? Because if it's the truth, the truth is going to set me free. If it's a heavy trip and burdensome, that's not the Lord. Is it liberating? The other L in tally, is it loving? Is it loving? And then the Y, and this is really important. This is my tally for my teachings. Is it you? What do you mean? Well, do I own it? Oh, yes, I do. I mean, I might have the message, but does the message have me? It's been aptly said that God cannot do a work through you until He first does that work in you. You cannot impart that which you do not possess, right? Getting back to this giving to everyone an answer of that hope that you have, well, that presupposes that you have the hope. 
I mean, how are you going to give anyone hope if you yourself don't have hope? You cannot impart that which you do not possess. So is it you? Do you own this? Has God done that work in you so that now God can do that work through you? Well, here's the bottom line. And I know I say this every week, but there is little time, I would even venture to say no time. <laughs> There's no time left to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. The rapture of the church of Jesus Christ is imminent, imminent, imminent. And this is why we do these updates. This is why we end with the gospel. This is why we end with a simple childlike explanation of salvation by way of the ABCs of salvation. What's the A? The A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned. Because if you don't see yourself as a sinner, you're not interested in a Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we were all born sinners, which is why Jesus said we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now Romans 6.23 is where the gospel comes in, because the word gospel means good news. And the good news is good news because of what the bad news is. And the bad news is, is that the wages of sin is death. It's the death penalty. But the good news is that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gospel, that Jesus came to pay our death penalty in our stead for our sin, which He took upon Him. And He died for us. He was buried. He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again <laughs> any day not just one day, any day. Good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is so central, because it's really simpler than ABC. It's as simple as B. For God so loved the world that he gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Believe. And then what happens or comes as a result of believing? Well, you <laughs> call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, think about this. You're not going to call upon someone in whom you do not believe. Every time we pray, what we're saying is, I believe. Uh, otherwise you're going to look pretty stupid. Like, I'm sorry if I keep using that word. It's actually in the Proverbs. It's in the Bible. So <laughs> don't look at me all smug and all that. So the C is for call upon the name of the Lord. Or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13 seals the deal. All who call upon the name of of the Lord will be saved. I implore you, I make no assumptions. If you're here today or watching online, if you've never called upon the name of the Lord, today is the day of salvation. I implore you, I implore you, do not put off the most important decision of your life for eternal life. I want to share with you a But God testimony in closing comes from Grover McNeil, who writes, 
I live in Texas, and I praise God that He directed me to your online congregation because you preach the truth. About two years ago, as the pandemic was starting, I made a lot of new friends from all over the world through an online game. One of them is a man named Ben Vaughn in Canada. Ben and I hit it off from the very beginning. We even started calling each other brother, even though I could tell by some of his words and actions that he was not saved. Fast forward two years, and Ben walks into a hospital in Canada with what he thought was a bad cold or the flu. First couple of days is in a private room getting treated. Then, without warning, he's in ICU on a ventilator and kidneys failing. We managed to track down an uncle that kept us up to date on his condition. It looked like he was going to pass away in the ICU. I prayed as others did, but I felt the Holy Spirit help in my prayer. I felt so bad. I hadn't talked to Ben sooner, and I cried out to Jesus, please don't let him go until I can introduce him to you, Jesus. A couple of days later, he came out of ICU, was no longer on the ventilator, but was in kidney failure and having to do dialysis, but God wasn't done. He fully recuperated, and his kidneys are actually working better than when he was a young man. So I made good on the privilege Abba had given me and introduced Ben to Christ. He got saved. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I would have never dreamed I would end up gaining a brother in Christ through a stupid online game. That's the last time I'm just quoting the testimony. But God, last but not least, all his doctors and nurses kept telling him, we don't understand it. You should not have recovered. But God, the only thing he's having to do is learn to walk again because of the induced coma they had him in. But God is seeing to that too, and he is doing great. And then he closes with this, thank you for preaching the truth as so many pastors have strayed away from doing so. Blessings in Yeshua Grover. Capone, why don't you come on up. Why don't you go ahead and stand up. The reason I selected this particular testimony is because it speaks to what we just got done talking about. Why is this important? Why does knowing this help me? Well, think about it. Knowing this not only helps you and saves you, but also gives you an opportunity to help others and bring others to Christ. It's been said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Maybe that's the reason, maybe that's the takeaway for some today. If for no other reason you need to know specifically, prophetically, what is happening in the world today and how it, <laughs> I mean, it means we are right there so that you can reach somebody who needs Jesus. And by the way, you'll have no problem finding somebody that needs Jesus. They're all around you, probably living next door to you, on the other f end of the phone with you. That customer service call, you never know. You never know. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for Bible prophecy. Thank you for <laughs> the knowledge of things to come, the truth from the Spirit of truth. Lord, I pray that you'll take everything, and we, it was quite a bit today again, but I pray that you'll take everything that we've looked at and talked about and heard today and do that which only you can. 
it's a process for sure, but begin that process of just applying it to our lives. And as one said, ruining us for you, <laughs> that this would so change us and move us while there's still time. And Lord, lastly, for anyone who has never believed in you, called upon you, put their trust in you, Lord, please today, I pray that they'll make that decision on this day, the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things, His love endures forever. And sing praise, sing praise with a mighty hand, with a mighty hand and outstretched arms. His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. God be with you this week.